everyone, and welcome to Keeping Them Safe. This is Sharon Doty, committed to empowering you to create an environment where children are always safe from sexual predators. You know, one of the most difficult aspects of this whole situation is the fact that it's necessary for us to communicate when we have concerns. And, um, and that is one of the most difficult elements for each and every one of us. You know, um, I want to talk today and maybe next week also about what does it really take for us to have the courage to speak up when we notice these concerns about behavior and we notice adults who are interacting in a way that leaves us with serious concerns about the well-being of children who are in their care or in their environment. So recently, a friend came to me with a situation she was facing um, that, in her view, had no easy answer. She had participated in a child sexual abuse prevention program at her church that was based on these concepts, these ideas that we're bringing forth and keeping them safe. And she'd also received some traditional training from adults about focusing on children who might have been abused or dealing with disclosures and how to report suspected abuse. Her view, the situation that she was actually dealing with, didn't fit into any of the boxes that were described in the trainings that she'd had. So she was a little off balance and a little unsure of how to proceed. I think that raises up for many of us in situations. So let me just tell you a little bit about this scenario. This woman has middle schoolers and she has a big car. So she's often the driver for groups of these girls. Her children are very open and outspoken and they promote that with their friends. And the girls are also comfortable talking about anything and everything while riding in the car even though they probably know she can hear every word. More than once, she had recently heard them talking about one of the younger men who teaches at their school. The conversation centered on the girls being uncomfortable being around him. She'd casually ask a few questions, intending to get to the heart of the discomfort, and was left with a concern that, Although nothing had happened so far, there was an unidentified risk with this teacher, and she was unsure just how to handle it. We talked about the importance of her communicating her concern to somebody who could do something about it. And then we looked to see who that might be. We created a plan of action that gave her some peace of mind and would put the school on notice to have their eye on this teacher and his interactions with students without accusing him of anything in the process. You know, one of the things she could have done was gone directly to him and let him know that these behaviors were of concern. However, she had concerns about that. She had same concerns that the young women did as they were concerned about retaliation, they were concerned about being picked on in class or being singled out in class, or 
in some way having their grades and their participation in class downgraded by the teacher because he was upset about the concerns. This is precisely the kind of situation that keeping them safe wants to address. Most of the people who work with children are familiar with state laws about reporting and the mandates that accompany those laws. Reporting laws focus on our attention on the children around us. We are mandated to watch their behavior and listen to them. And then if we think that a child is being or has been abused, if we have a reasonable suspicion that that's happening, we report that information to law enforcement or to the Child Protection Services. Children who are in unstable, unsafe, and vulnerable situations are counting on us to follow that law and do the right thing for them. That's, however, about having our eye on children. Our commitment is about more than that. It's about having our eye on the adults interacting with our children and identifying those who are behaving in a way that raises concerns. And this is a new idea for most of the world. We're not used to watching each other, and honestly, we're a little uncomfortable with the idea. It's a whole lot more comfortable to watch for signs in children than to observe and scrutinize the behavior of adults we work with and work around. And while reporting is never easy, most of us know that the law mandates that we take those actions in order to protect children. And, you know, I mean, the fact is that even then, most of us look for a reason to avoid making that call. I mean, we have some pretty good, pretty strong reasons for not reporting. For example, we talk with other people to see if they're seeing it as a real problem before we actually report something or address a concern. Uh, we assess that adult's behavior based on what we know or think we know, whether the adult is someone we are convinced is a good person. Sometimes we base our decision to communicate our concerns to the adult involved or report it to authorities or supervisors on whether we think they're from a good family. You know, people we've worked with and cared about and been involved with for years and there's never been a problem. Then we see this inappropriate behavior, this potentially risky adult behavior, and we have a concern about it, but we justify not reporting because they're from a good family. Uh, more often than not, we are worried more about whether the adult will be upset than what is possibly happening to the children. After all, if there's nothing going on, that person is just going to get upset for nothing, and we might lose a friend. We might be retaliated against by that person. And we don't actually see that as justifying not reporting and choosing the adult over the child. We actually talk ourselves into the, the justification that that person's kind of probably going to be really upset and they could take action against us. And by the way, 
that's one of the reasons our children don't report also. So we talk ourselves out of reporting with one justification or another. You know, we worry that our questions or concerns might ruin someone else's reputation when they really did nothing wrong. Well, we want to take a few minutes today and consider these reasons for not speaking up and look to see where those decisions we make about not reporting or not speaking up or not addressing concerns, where that decision rests in the world of protecting our children and creating safe environments. So the first one that we we want to consider is talking with others to see if they really see the same problem that we do. You know, when I ask people in a conversation, well, why wouldn't you communicate concerns? The number one reason I'm given is, well, I don't want to gossip about someone. I don't want to um, say something that actually impacts or destroys someone's reputation when I don't know what the truth is or what the facts are. And then I ask them, who do they talk to about that? And almost 100% of the time, they talk about those issues with friends, colleagues, others in their environment that can possibly see the same thing. And you know, what I point out to them is that the moment they do that, they're actually accomplishing what they hoped to avoid by not addressing the concern with the person they have a concern about or with their supervisor. When they talk to others, when they go and say, I saw Sammy working with the kids the other day and he had some of them secluded in, in an area and, it, and I've seen it before. Do you think that's a problem? They've now gossiped. They've now accused They've now spoken about a situation that may or may not be a high-risk situation for children that may or may not be part of a grooming process, but they've now gossiped. They've actually accused, and they've now begun to undermine and destroy someone's reputation without any factual basis behind it or without giving that person an opportunity to address their own behavior and clean up their act, so to speak. So when we talk with others to see if what we're seeing is really a problem, we actually are creating a bigger problem. The appropriate thing to do is to go to the person whose behavior has a concern and address it with them or go to their direct supervisor and make it clear that you're not accusing them of anything, that you have just noticed there are things in their behavior that are placing them and the children they're with at risk. And the second thing we talked about was sometimes we assess the behavior we've seen that we would call risky based on what we know or think we know about whether that adult is a good person. You know, it doesn't really matter whether someone is a good person or not. Because our observations are not about assessing whether they're good people. Our observations are about assessing whether or not the interactions they're engaged with, with children in the environment, are risky. 
And that doesn't mean that we're accusing that person of molesting children or being a sexual predator. No, it means that we're actually looking to see are the interactions between adults and children in the environment such that they nurture healthy relationships and create safe environments? Or are those behaviors creating risky environments that place children and adults at risk of being accused, falsely or otherwise, of having been inappropriate with children? The same thing goes for basing our decision to communicate our concerns based on whether we think they're from a good family. People from good families, unfortunately, do things that are inappropriate, including molesting our children. And one of the things that I think is most difficult for us is that concern I mentioned a few minutes ago about whether the adult will be upset. And that is probably going to happen. But we need to remember that our job is to protect children and to couch our conversation in a way that lets them know, look, we're not accusing you. We're telling you that there's a concern here about the way you're interacting with children that could place you or the children at risk of harm, not even from you. You could be creating an environment here by your actions that open the door to a sexual predator to gain access to and prey on our children. See, dealing with our concerns about the behavior of an adult, or in the case of the woman who came to me, the dis-ease that children expressed about how he acted and interacted with them, is much more uncomfortable and difficult for us. It's also the only way we can prevent child sexual abuse from happening at all. The plan that this woman and I created raised awareness with both the school and the teacher that something needs to be tended to with this teacher. Um, I think it was his first year teaching, and he's a young man. So maybe he simply didn't know where the appropriate lines were. And what we want to be concerned with is his safety as well as that of the children in the school. She was willing to deal with the discomfort because the lives of her children and others she knew and cared for were at risk. However, let's be honest, that decision was made easier because the children involved were okay with her taking steps to ensure that safety. That is not always the case with children who come to us or children that we see in compromising situations. Sometimes, they even ask us not to tell. Those are valid concerns for our children, but they can't stop us from taking action. You know, our, mostly it's how they're feeling in the moment, their fear, their concern, their feeling at risk. But if we think about it, feelings change from moment to moment. And one moment we're concerned and worried and the next we're laughing and feeling uplifted. Feelings can't be the measure for whether to communicate our concerns, ours or those of our children. Any more than the reasons we discussed earlier 
are reliable reasons for keeping our concerns to ourselves. The only way to actually protect children from potentially risky behaviors is to intervene, interrupt, and communicate. Now, during our discussion, my friend realized that her discomfort with having a conversation to raise awareness about those behavioral issues was really nothing compared to the harm to a child that this turned out to be an indicator that this teacher was a child molester. She also conceded that if his behavior is just thoughtless or careless, he needed to know so he could change the way he interacted with the students and eliminate that concern. Maybe he doesn't know the proper way for him as a teacher to cultivate a nurturing, caring relationships with his children in the appropriate way. Communicating to him or to his direct supervisor accomplishes this. And in the meantime, it doesn't damage his reputation. It doesn't accuse him of anything. If we raise it as a concern rather than an accusation. See, the point is not to point a finger at the adult who's acting inappropriately or thoughtlessly in risky ways. The point is to point a finger at the behavior and identify it as risky and place both the adult and the child on alert that that's risky behavior in a situation that could escalate, that could do real damage. Whether it is that person who causes the damage or not. See, our admonishment to you and to other adults to communicate your concerns means precisely that. If you have a concern about the behavior of an adult who has access to children, communicate it. Communicate it directly to that person or to someone who can do something about it. Now, if you have a reasonable suspicion that a child is being or has been abused, report it to civil authorities, whether it is mandated in your state or not. It is the moral, the right thing to do. The central theme here is communicate. Tell someone who can do something to impact the situation. Our children are counting on us to have their best interests at heart and to have the courage to act to protect them in the face of all our fears and all our justifications for maintaining silence. They don't want us to make a big fuss. They don't want us to call the newspaper or put our concerns on social media for all to see or call all our friends and talk about it. They want us to quietly and forcefully take action to stop the behavior that gives them concern and do that in a way that doesn't blow back on them. <laughs> and honestly, I'm not going to lie to you about that. It takes something on our part. It takes thoughtful, careful, empathetic communication followed by thoughtful, careful attention to how the communication is handled by the adult in question. I mean, let's face it, almost everybody is going to be upset and they're going to be reactivated by raising these concerns about their behavior. I would be if someone told me my behavior gave them a concern about whether or not it was safe for children to be with me. 
We need to look beyond the initial reactions to see the adult's actions taken in response to the communication. Actions taken to resolve the concern are indications that there are no harmful intent. Actions taken that defy the concerns or ignore the concerns or even indicate that the adult has now moved on to a different pool of possible victims are indications that the risk was well-founded and it's time to raise our concerns with others in leadership in the organization, the school, the facility. Communicating our concerns is one of the most important things we can do for our children. And sometimes, as we begin to see here, one of the most difficult. In all of this, we need to always remember two things. We are the adults in this situation. It's really important that we act the part. And two, whether they say so or not, children are counting on us to stand up for them and protect them from the potential predators in their environment. Thanks for being with me today and for being part of a commitment to eradicate child sexual abuse from the planet by paying attention to the adults in our environment, by noticing these potentially risky behaviors, by speaking up and raising our concerns and interrupting and intervening in situations that could place our children and the adults who care about them at risk in our environments. That's it today for this episode of Keeping Them Safe. I look forward to speaking with you again. If you have questions or comments, please contact me at swdkeepingthemsafe at gmail.com. We're just hearing from you and to continuing to work together with you to create a safer environment for all our children. <music>